and welcome to the Jim and Burns and Dave podcast. Mm-hmm. This week we're going to be talking about our work with Capcom. Yeah. For Resident Evil 7. Although, not too much. Not too much. Not too much. A ray of sunshine in what has been a terrible year. So, as you may have seen, we announced yesterday. Oh, and actually, when was it? When's this going out, Jim? Is this going out tomorrow? Is it fucking no, Monday? Oh, Monday. All right, last it's week. It's going to go out pre-GMA, isn't no. it? <laughs> uh, All right, well, last week we announced that we are working with Capcom on a creative campaign mm-hmm. in the lead-up to the release of Resident Evil 7. We can't mm-hmm. say too much because the game itself is under mega NDA. Yeah. I mean, if I even have a thought about the things that I know about it, someone will just come out of a cupboard and assassinate me. Yeah. And uh, with good reason as well. But we can say we're really excited this is the thing or one of the things that we've been working on yeah, it's just proof that we've not just been lying around here doing nothing yeah, really yeah lads yeah. what are you gonna do saying yeah we're trying like, do you know I, how long I, these things take to negotiate i mean i mean it's mad like i i, I tweeted the other day where we took we'd we'd been working our asses off and we took a friday off and i tweeted at something like 10 past 11 on a friday about an episode of deep space nine i was watching and somebody responded really sarcastically with you used to have a job i'm like <laughs> I, I still have one. Like, I didn't... Except now know, I decide when I do the work, right? Well, exactly. Like, you know, it, it just, it just you know, now I have a job where if I want to spend all day watching Deep Space Nine, I can. I mean, yeah, exactly. It, it, it often doesn't make economic sense, but I, ha- I have that freedom. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, we can't say uh, any of the specifics about what is going to no, be coming, but, but, um, but for sure if you use you your know, brains... and the It's comp- a really exciting project, isn't it? Because we all are... Our genuine fans of, of Resident Evil. Yeah. So. It's um, yeah, and the composition of this team's skills. Yeah. I'm sure you'll be able to. Uh, Our 12 year old selves would be very excited by yes. this news. I think. Yeah, they would. It's very know. very exciting stuff. But that's all we can say about that. Uh, just rest assured that we're doing stuff. Uh, yeah. So, so we should probably answer some of these questions now. Yeah. 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 As usual. Some good questions this, they are this, some this good. week. No, they're getting better, aren't they? They are. Yeah, no, yeah. I don't know. I don't think there's one. No. No. Don't don't insult the audience, Burns. It's not allowed. Uh, That's who's... been in your entire career so yeah, far. I've won yeah. a lot of awards for that. Did you know that? <laughs> anyway, listen. Hold on. Uh, hold on. We've been. I, we're I being a how, bit. I love how your shtick is. Video games are shite, and so's the audience that like them. Yeah. And it's like. Like, need to tone that down now. What? <laughs> I love video games. I've never said that I didn't like video games. Uh, yeah, it just doesn't have. like people, Jim. You just have said Wait, I've never said that. You've said I've never, that and I, of I, times. I have maintained... The amount of times you've been like, video games are dog shit, mate. I have maintained throughout my entire career, whether that was working, making the games, or helping to make the games, or work, or working... Let me finish. Or working, critiquing those games. Right. That an active and engaged audience be that on social media or forums or even letters back then was letters. essential to <laughs> no seriously you, you can't even keep Sorry, it up no. No, I, I felt very trumped then I when felt like you, I'll just lie now when I'll you lie. ended your career in games editorial <laughs> the thing you were most proud of was the fact that you had never awarded a 10 no I know you also <laughs> never let me award a 10 yeah what I so, said, let's get this correct what I said was is that there were games out there that exist that I would have given a 10 to but I just never had and you I were just, very proud to have avoided them for no, your entire I, career. The only thing I'm proud what, what of is games not. would be 10, Steve Burns? Well, the original well, Tetris. Kane Lynch 2. Okay. Kane Lynch 2. Possibly Kane Lynch 3, which I played yesterday. I uh, That's a lie. It's great. I, you know what? I know why Donald Trump's into this now. Yeah, he's just, just lying. You just make up, make up your own reality. Yeah. I played yeah. Kane Lynch 4 in LA last week. It's brilliant. No, you didn't. Well. Maybe I did. In my yeah. brain, I did. So that's just. What's the art style like? Oh, it's really good. It's rendered to look like it was, uh, to look like it's being shot on a GoPro. Um, <laughs> it's rendered to look like someone pissing into your eye or covered in frost. <laughs> right. Um, no, I've completely lost my train of thought now, and probably we said some things which have annoyed people. So listen, mm. let's get into the lovely questions to kick right. things off. We've got one from Bob the Scutter, who is, uh, who, who is uh, a. a, a a remnant from my days on uh, the Trek BBS. I was going to say forum. Trek BBS there as a joke, uh, uh, and then you fucking you and he's, you're a cliche. He's, he's one of the one of the people who have kind of I, I've kind of maintained contact with from my days on that forum because uh, we we both kind of jumped onto Twitter and uh, we've got a very adversarial relationship. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, Trek BBS does seem like the sort of place that would foster that. Listen, here's the question, right? <laughs> The question is, if you had blockbuster-style budgets, what would your passion projects be, and how would it differ from standard fare? 
Good question. All right, so you're a filmmaker. It's 1971. And the studios Why have, gone, have we gone back in time? Because that's the last time that... Did they trust the director? That they trusted the director with any money. Yeah, exactly. And it lasted for literally about nine years. So yeah, uh, yeah, because they all got fucking gacked off their faces and made stupid shit. I've made masterpieces. Like Uh, listen, you tell Jimmy, don't you can't. He's dead. But um, listen, we'll get to Heaven's Gate in a moment. Yeah, but uh, I don't know. Seen two thousand and one? Are you fucking mad? I have seen two thousand and one. Yeah, what's wrong with it? It's fucking shite. Are you? Oh, here we go. Oh, here we go. Oh, all space films should be about... Oh, that's just what D-Space Nine on the loop. Yeah. Oh, it's about listen, man's, listen, man's inhumanity to listen. man reflected to that a prison film, of... Shut that up, That film mate. only works when you watch it on a giant screen and you have... That's the, what it's made for. You have the spectacle. No, it's not made for a fucking mobile film. But you, watch, but you watch it on any other medium and it completely falls apart. Wrong. Because it has absolutely... Because it has no thread at all. It has no hooks. But it, it is just, made for cinema, It's yeah. just imagery it's great imagery but that's it you just um, you're, you're being a twat anyway listen so what would I make well firstly I would make uh, if I had infinity money I'd make the story that I've always wanted to tell well the you, Steve Burns story no 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 that, before or after you've bought the gold plated Uzi yeah. uh, that was when I was the mayor of Cambridge and yeah the, and the actually, company yacht the Spirit of Blair the Spirit of Blair Lionel uh, no I'd want to make the uh, 26 part um passion project of mine would be the legend of Bicky Nut. <laughs> so if you don't know, uh, Bicky Nut is, uh, as well, it's, uh, it's just Nicky Butt with some of the letters. <laughs> and if you don't wow, know, that's the passion And if you don't know who Nicky Butt is, he's a former Manchester United midfielder. Right. I, I don't know, I don't have like a, a very kind of specific passion project in, in my head. I mean, there's a few things I've, I've thought about and, and would like to make. There was one I mentioned to you the other day, I was thinking about like, I'd love, I'd love the idea of like a really sort of capital, capitalistic story about, um, about people who who go back in time to alternate universes and sell weapons to the Romans, like the opening of Time Cop. Is that is that the opening? So time? the only good bit in Time Cop is that when in the thirties and the guy's like, I'm stagecoach, he pulls the out the, yeah, 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 and yeah. there's like there's like five of them, and he pulls out the two, like yeah. submachine guns. You're like, yeah, time, yeah, this is. And then it's all about mullets from there on out. I'm going to be honest, so far my money is with that over Bicky Nut. The legend, <laughs> the of, Bic- the legend yeah. of Bicky Nut? Are you fucking joking me? But um, yeah, I, I, love, I love the idea of of, uh, of, of just go, going into, because I listen to a lot of uh, history podcasts and read a lot about stuff. I love, you can't fucking read. Like, <laughs> I love the idea of going back and like just, just picking like a bunch of random kind of alternate dimensions, uh, parallel universes and go, right, we'll go to this one. We'll go back and sell a load of fucking nukes to the Romans. We'll sell a load of we'll sell a load of weapons to the Ming Dynasty. We'll sell a load of you know to the That's Aztecs or whatever. And then and then you jump forward and see what happens. So there's this massive, it's this ridiculous fucking research project where you're basically ruining other realities just just to write a paper. But then eventually they come a cropper because they 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 get back to their own time and find out that they have advanced the Romans so far that they overtook them in technology, invaded their reality, and killed everyone, um, which is what the Romans would do. That's you know uh, what that's so, a good idea. We're going to start writing that this week. Yeah, so, pro- other project. Should we cut hold. all of that before someone goes? <laughs> I was listening to these tossers yeah, talking. Yeah. No, no, no. I've said it. Publicly, so now it's my copyright. That's, copyright. So I mean, that's, uh, that's intellectual property now. That's I think mine. the idea of uh, of what wars would have been like if they were fought with different technology uh, is fascinating. the The most interesting one isn't the. Uh, this is not to mug you off, Jim. Isn't the one you're talking about where you go back and give what is considered a primitive uh, race or whatever or army? Nothing uh, primitive about the Romans, mate. Well, listen, I'm not specifically talking about the Romans, but the one you think about where you go back and you give whoever uh, a nuke, like firstly, they wouldn't be able to fire the weapon. It would just be there. (laughs) They'd be like, (laughs) oh. uh, Yeah, so uh, so we'll sell you the nuke, um, but I mean, the infrastructure to 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 fly it, to drop it, fly it. I mean, we're we're basically going to have to install a team here as well. The ultimate and upselling. So you've got this weapon that can literally destroy an entire nation. Great, we need those guys gone. Oh yeah, but to use it, you need a plane. What's a plane? Right, it's like a bird but uh, it's it's made out of this special metal. What? Kill this man immediately. But the one that is really interesting is helicopters in the Second World War, about how large-scale deployment mm. of helicopters would have changed some of those engagements. Yeah. 
because you think of how flight was you know advanced for its time and everything but mm. how different certain you know normandy uh um, oh, yeah invading from the air rather than the sea. yeah market garden all of those places and how that would have changed it all and uh i think one of the most interesting things that Modern Warfare 3 did, and we talked about this before, is it has its own version of the Normandy landings in Hamburg, but you're in a chopper rather than in a boat. So it's uh, it draws on that, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know Omaha Beach sort of thing, mm-hmm. whilst satisfying at least my curiosity, like, oh yeah, well you just you just fucking chopper in, wouldn't you? Not I'm on a tiny boat now, and if it's if the if the weather's bad, I'm just gonna die. Great. Yeah, it's the things yeah. like that that hinge on stuff like weather. Oh there's clouds today, like, sorry yeah. it's over. It's incredible. Uh, I was also reading about how um, when when they marched all the way over from from China and to China um, to, and they hit Denmark, that it was such a bad winter that um, they turned around and went, "Fuck this! We're we're going to go back and not expand further into Europe because because it was so like buggy." But if they'd actually just like waited out, how different history. Yeah, mm. a lot of that. So I've been watching a lot of uh, the World War recently. Uh, to watch it, I literally just opened the curtains of my house yeah, so I can see yeah, right exactly. into the shard, which uh, is probably the new Reichstag. But um, yeah, it's uh, it, it's the Operation Barbarossa and uh, how German idiocy and uh, hubris and the you know, but supply lines are the issue. So when you're talking about old wars being fought, everything has its supply line and of course the further you get the more stretched you are and any breakage in it is a massive problem because you need the fuel you need the weaponry the munitions whatever uh but yeah so i think that that's what you're talking about jim has like real potential mm. but most of it would just be people sitting around going okay so that mountain's still there can we bomb the mountain no because we forgot to bring the plane back in time fuck can we just uh, invent mm. the plane? No, it's it's a while yet, and mm. it's gonna. But there was also I read something. No, there'll be a lot of admin. Yeah, I mean, also building the actual time machine is that, a, that's is a how you that's how you stretch out over seven seasons, though, right? Oh yeah, just, yeah, just six and a half seasons of admin. It'd be like it'd be like Mad Men, except like. We've got to sell fucking nukes to the Romans. I mean, I tell you what, we should probably write it. One of the interesting thing about when you say you, if you gave them the nuclear weapon mm-hmm. that they wouldn't know how to use it, is, mm. and it's not exactly the same. But it's a really okay. interesting thing with uh, some university or something. I'm hazing the details. And I apologise. They had a, a box full of um, laptops. And as like a test, they put them somewhere. Uh, like they sent them to a country where like no... like these people just don't have any contact with the outside world. They're like, they don't have any technology mm-hmm. uh, that's reliant on loads of electricity or anything like that. And uh, yeah, apparently they just left them there. And yeah, uh, after like a little while, someone had worked out how it, you know, because human curiosity will, yeah, you'll just start fiddling with it, right? Mm-hmm. Like children learn how to use uh, anything just by giving it to them and going, just fuck around with that and so you work it out. And they said it was amazing the level of, technical proficiency these people had after you know not ever seeing this technology before and then seeing and then what two months later like everyone's using it what happens everyone's probably not the best idea for dealing with nuclear weapons though i know i know but uh, you know not saying interesting uh, not saying that those people are stupid but just saying that they they hadn't used those things before before. Mm -hmm. and how there's that kind of they i think a lot of people were were taken aback because they have that kind of arrogant western Mm. oh other people don't know how to do stuff we're the people and it's like no people do know how to use things when you're not being a twat it's more poverty that's keeping them back yeah remoteness exactly stupidity Mm. um for mine i like to hear your thoughts on this one steve burns if i had infinity money i'd really like to do a metal gear film there's so many like incredible stories in there yeah, mm. I, I like the one with the woman the who the woman with the bikini on. <laughs> Is that your favorite? She, she can't wear a shirt because she bruised. <laughs> yeah, oh, probably cut that. Yeah. And, and when when you find out her motivation for not wearing any clothes, you're gonna feel very silly. Yeah, oh, I was <laughs> photosynthesis lads. What? Yeah, she's a plant. Nonsensical. <laughs> and I don't mean in the uh, spy game. Uh, Metal what, Gear. In the E3 audience sense. Yeah, um, I, the the only one that I would consider uh, adapting. Well, the the only. Two would be the original Metal Gear Solid and Metal Gear Solid Three. Metal Gear Solid has the the great advantage of having a basically a diehard style cast of villains, mm-hmm. uh, but you know amped to the nth degree. Metal Gear Solid Three is uh, Apocalypse Now. Um, 
you just you literally go up river at some point and then you kill someone who yeah. is uh, who works for the U.S. military and has apparently gone rogue, regardless of their motivation. So yeah, the problem is is the casting. There's always going to be a, a problem with uh, the casting. I mean, obviously, Kurt, if you could go back in time while you're there mm. selling the guns to the Romans, if mm. you can just hop, up, stop off, and get Kurt Russell back from you know. 1982 yes. or 81 that'd mm-hmm. be literally perfect because that's who his models are and Kurt Russell once he's once he's grown up in a in a world where where the Romans had nukes I yeah mean, I mean it would it, it would be a very different world um I mean I think basically what what I think would happen is that the Roman the the the, the Chinese um empire at the time and the Roman empire were sort of aware of each other, but they were so far apart. There wasn't any direct contact. Mm-hmm. There was, there was a there was a Silk Road, and there was, um, there was there was there were goods that made mm-hmm. the way from one to the other. And uh, but it was you know there, there was like you know there would have been two thousand people between a Roman and you know and somebody in Beijing. Um, so they were sort of aware of each other. Oddly, very similar as well. Like oddly, like a lot of the same kind of social structures. It's really fascinating when you read about the two. Have things. you read Civilization no. by Niall Ferguson? No, no, talks about no. that in That's, great detail. Really, yeah. About those, about those exact it's, two things. I'd like to read that actually because it's it's really fascinating how how similar these cultures were developing on other and other sides of the planet really, and how they interacted but never but were never in contact. It's but, like um, Godfather and Godfather Part Two, you know. Yeah, yeah. But I've always I've always wondered. All roads lead to there. Like, I've always wondered. <laughs> It, they, if they had met each other, they would have clashed. Like, oh, for I mean, sure. there, there is no question. The Romans won't first meet people. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I mean, they, like when people meet me, they're like, "That guy's a tosser." But I then mean, after a while, you're like, "No, he is a tosser." I mean, if, you, I like if you had a, if you had a Roman Empire that had much better technology, if, even if they were advanced like 500, 600 years technology wise, they they uh, and you know the, the, how you how you got recognition as a Roman leader, as a Roman general, as a Roman emperor. Basically, you had to fucking annex a territory. You had to you had to claim somebody else's territory as a province, and that's how you advanced your career. Mm. You had to you had to either be instrumental in taking something over or take something over. Um, you know, like you know, like Claudius. Uh, famously, uh, you know, he was uh, he, he he was disabled. He was ridiculed for that. He was considered a fool, an idiot. Um, and how he strengthened his position was by sending. We were just leathering money and manpower into taking over Britain, which was a, a really not a really great idea. It was, <laughs> it was a hostile land. It was, it, was, it was over an ocean. They weren't very good sailors. It and now was, he now he's a, now he's in the Tory government, right? Well, exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and he uh, he he did that purely so he could add the name Britannicus to his name and get a bit more respect. It's like. You invaded, you you invaded. <laughs> quite ambitious, isn't it? An entire like you know a, a a distant rainy. So I mean, you think of distances back then where there's no planes, there's no diesel engines in boats. So it's like it would be the inquiv- the equivalent of like invading the moon, <laughs> just to get a promotion. Like, I you know, I'd so, promote someone if they showed that much initiative. Well, I know, right? but I mean, it's a lot. I mean, you know, you could just sort of like tie your CV up a bit, mate. Um, just lie. No, no just, one's going to go down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> I conquered it. You should have said. Who's going to check? Which general yeah, did you send? Who's going to march over and find Which general out? did you send? Uh, Cassius. Uh, he's dead now. Uh, you, you don't know him. Um, but yeah. I totally forgot what I was talking about, but I'd imagine the clash between the Romans and and the and the China and the emperor that I've forgotten the actual proper name for it, but the empire that was uh, knocking around China at the time would have been quite spectacular and probably would have. I mean, that would have been World War Zero, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. You like could go same. back and arc and be the architect of that happening. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Turn back, Rome to go uh, to go. So essentially, what, than... what you want is mm-hmm. is the video game Civilization, <laughs> but. Uh, but in television format. Oh shit, I should actually just play Civilization, yeah. shouldn't I? Instead yeah. of, instead because that's all I do, is mm. get mega teched up until you've got the Ed 209 Walker things, and you're just com- you know, totally isolationist, mm. and then be like, right, mm. let's have some of this then, you twats. And you just blow everyone <laughs> Maybe away. Maybe that's what Briggs actually is the plan, just to turn inwardly and clap <gasps> arms. And just, to, just to get to the Ed 209 stage, and exactly. then we'll be like, we're open for business now, yeah. at the barrel of the gun. Yeah, Ed Miliband 209. Right, no more. Right. Okay, well, actually speaking about that. I, I had a funny story about that, though. 
Go on then. Passion projects. Yeah. I was at. Oh, I, no. I had an interview. Is this about Spikeball? No, 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 no. Deep no, Space Ten. Uh, honestly, very short story. I had an interview <laughs> for the Edinburgh College of Art back when I was like, must have been eighteen or nineteen. Mm-hmm. Really desperate to get in. Really nervous about the interview, and I didn't realize. But one of the things they asked me was, if you had all the money, what film would you make? You know, what 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 would you like to do? And uh, and so I had to on the spot come up with something that and, and make it sound like I'd been thinking about this for ages and this would be my fucking opus, right? <laughs> and I don't even know how it entered my head. I was like, I'd like to make a a a, a biopic about Nefertiti. <laughs> wow, it's out of left field for sure. And, and were, and because I think it, because I'd, I'd watched, I think I'd watched like Cleopatra and like a few other epics recently, and I was like, I'd like to resurrect the the kind of the the sixties. Uh, four-hour epic and make it about Nefertiti because nobody knows anything about her. The woman who was interviewing me turns out she was from North Africa. She knew a lot about Egyptian history and started <laughs> quizzing me about it. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, and I was, and she was like, "So, what sort of research have you done?" What kind of, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, "I'm not actually started making this. Are you fucking." Jo-? Yeah. And I was like, uh, "Well, I mean, she was Tutankhamun's mum." <laughs> and I didn't get in. Like yeah. it, it was, it was a, surprise. I probably thought. <laughs> I mean, probably thought, shit. This guy, like this, had this, you know, quite an interesting pitch. And then you realise, oh no, and he's literally he's only got as far as the log. Yeah. Yeah. He immediately realised that I had made no preparation and just pulled it out of my ass. And I also forgot my show reel, so I was never getting. In. Ah, that's also a bit uh, of a blunder. Yeah, but uh, you yeah. know, you know, I'm glad we held on for that one because that, that would have been an alternate reality, and you would, you might not have been sat here. You definitely wouldn't. Yeah, have been I might have fucking, I might have had a, a Fraser Nelson accent and be making fucking documentaries about shite for BBC Four. <laughs> right. Well, on that note, uh, uh, Busker Lily asks. Given the shite state of everything, which fictional dystopia do you think we're moving towards? Well, I mean, if we're going from a very British angle, like, you know, 2000 AD, Judge Dredd exists for a reason. You know, is Judge Dredd, when you look back on it now, it's like, oh, ho, ho, yes. Like, no. like that. I mean, we've been in 1984 for a while, haven't we? We've had yeah. that period of surveillance and stuff. It feels we're more heading towards Children of Men or District 9. With uh, not, not in the fertility sense for that, but in t- terms of the Robocop, immigration, or, yeah, Robocop. clearly into Robocop territory now. I think ch- like, absolutely. It feels ch- it feels like we're heading for Children of Men, which um, is fine because, like, listen, you know how I feel about children. Like, yeah. I think they're rubbish. But no, but what we what we yeah, so, uh, more about the immigration side, not the uh, not giving birth to children side, because mm. all that stuff. Oh, yeah, in that children stuff of can men. Get I mean, I've not read the book, but all the, the you know when the films like uh, you know the book's good, but I actually I think the film's actually better. It's one yeah. of those rare, rare cases. Go no, watch it again. Good. I didn't like it once. But you know they've got those adverts in the buses, and it's like Britain stands proud. You know, Brit. You know, Britain carries on. It's all that this jingoism. Yeah, well, that's exactly sadly. Uh, something akin to that is what we're heading to. And Maybe we can head towards the purge. So if anyone out there has got Jeremy Hunt's address, so they can send that right through. <laughs> I think one of the things in there I won't talk about politics too much longer is that uh, if you've ever lived. And like live for years and years outside of uh, outside of Britain. Then I came back to Britain in the mid nineties, and I wasn't impressed with it then. And everyone thinks, oh, 1996 when I came back, and everyone was like, oh, that's the the golden era. Mm-hmm. You know, May United did beat Liverpool in the FA Cup final year. Got which Spice was Girls take that away, sis. You know, Blair's the new new Blair, Labour yeah. stuff. I came back, and I just couldn't believe it from the country that I'd come from, I was like, this place is a load of old shit in comparison. So, yeah, I think uh, it's easy to get blinded and think, oh, I'll get nostalgic. But I thought when I came back, and I was about you know 12 years old, that this is rubbish. Um, and sadly, it seems to be getting worse. Anyway, right, next question. So, yeah, probably Robocop mixed with the children of men. Right, Sam McGrew asks, any films people call rubbish that you actually think are fantastic? So this is Jim's entire DVD collection. <laughs> yes. Which... Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, the obvious one is Independence Day, isn't it? I mean, but that, no one—I don't no, think people call that that's, rubbish. That's no, they do. Though, they, do. No, who, who? they do. Who? Every, every time it comes up, you've got people who, who like the the gen the general impression of Independence Day. In my experience, is that people are just like, it's a load of shit. It's really dumb, and it's really it's it's jingoistic American gung ho nonsense. And it's actually not. I mean, I'd, I'd agree that it's dumb. But it's not jingoistic, and it's not um, it's not uh, super kind of pro America. It's actually the whole message of the whole fucking thing is that 
this is this is the moment when when faced with an outside enemy, this is the moment when the entire human race decides shit, we better club we together better and stop come together. Fighting yeah, each other. and I really hate the phrase "come together" purely because every politician is using it now on every in in every whichever side of the spectrum they're on and it just feels like empty rhetoric but but that is the, i mean that is the message of the film uh it, it's it's a, it's a wonderful message of unity in the face of um other life forms to shoot at so yeah well um <clears throat> you know i mean that that's what it's going to take isn't it it's going to you know it's it's going to be uh it's going to take an alien invasion it's going to take martians coming and starting a fight for the human race do you think people would club together if no. That happened. No. I think it would be the opposite. I think people would still just. Well, keep someone would just cut a deal with them, wouldn't they? Think about it. I think it. Mm, mm. Listen, Do we're getting it, away it, from the fucking question here, right? But you, why would you, you mean, cut a deal with, with earthlings? Well, well, you, you look at technology. They are you, you look at you look at the kind of you look at the the, the Roman invasion of Britain as a model of that, don't you? No. And, and, no. and basically, I mean, no, there, no. there was unity for a while. When everyone just sort of wait, wait a minute, these fucking Romans are mugging us off. Even the ones who had been, you know, Roman Romanicized is that a word? The ones who were living in Roman towns and wearing togas and speaking Latin, even they were just like, we're we're actually getting mugged off here. Mm. They, they've 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 give, they've put us in massive debt, and still treat us like second class citizens, and still beat us up in the streets and blah blah blah. So eventually even the ones who felt who told the line with the romans kind of you know so it it, it was sort of it, they, they did unite and then they immediately disunited and uh settled into different tribes and so i mean it would be unity with a common purpose but it wouldn't last very long listen what the anyway, fuck are you talking listen sorry. get back to it now right here's the fucking oh, best american movie oh, of the last look yeah. at that we've gone from history and interest in politics go on what shite are you gonna spell crank. let's hear it crank, crank. crank. i'm not even sure if crank is uh, an american i'm not sure who, who uh financed it and funded it although i love i do love how we, we we talked about independence day without actually talking about independence day for five minutes <laughs> so crank is uh, so i don't actually like any of the other movies including uh, by the directors neville dean taylor um, Neville Dean and Taylor, if you've not heard that before, it's two guys. Uh, because they're, the rest of their stuff is shite, mm. but they just got it right with you know stop clock with Crank. It's the perfect fucking. It's the best Die Hard ripoff because it's now like oh yeah, it's like Die Hard meets Inner Space, but it's just like yeah, your own body is going to fucking destroy you, so you got to keep running and battering people, like, and you got to keep putting stuff in it. Like this is. This is the greatest movie of all time. I mean, it'd be like a great video game, actually, wouldn't it? You well, it's continually going clearly it's the best the video game movie of all time. Like, it's clearly influenced by a lot of video game stuff. Mm-hmm. Like in the ending, which I think is in the standard. So, does he actually admit it? It clearly is, isn't it? Come on, have I you mean, seen the titles? The titles for it are in eight-bit graphics. Uh, I mean, the, the people who made Hardcore Henry, um, which is which is basically video games, the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, denied that it was directly influenced by video games at all, and it's like, what are you talking about? I mean, it's about? Bradley shot for shot, isn't it? I mean, it is. It is. Vid- it, I mean, the, the fucking the the final boss gets defeated after Hardcore Henry jumps up a load of floating platforms to punch them. <laughs> like, that, that, name me one game that's happened. That happens all nonsense. the time. Uh, another one before we uh, switch to Dave here is, of course, the sheer majesty uh, of Freddy Got Fingers. Wow. Which, um, Jesus fucking Christ. So, listen, <laughs> don't give me shit about my DVD collection when this is the so fucking. This is the crap. This is the level. So, Frank Fingers is not the greatest movie of all time. Crank is. Right. But it works perfectly. If you think about it, it's just a big budget exercise in pissing people off. It is the thing which. Exercise. Basically, you like it because it's your fucking career, but in a DVD version. Listen, all I'm saying is. It's called Freddy Got Fingered, and that's on shelves. Like, I'm sorry. If you can cut a deal Somebody with it... Somebody finance that. We should go straight into movie making exactly. right now. Exactly. If you can cut a deal with a with a publisher uh, or a studio or a distributor for a film called Freddy Got Fingered, then you are the greatest fucking mogul of all time. The best thing about that is, though, that on the DVD there is that bit, uh, there's the PG-13 version, mm-hmm. and it's 12 minutes long, because mm-hmm. all the stuff's been cut out of it. And so it's just he goes off to Hollywood and comes back. 
<laughs> you know what? This is funnier than, than most of the Wayans movies. I watched um, the film Cruel Intentions in America with all the references to sex and drugs cut out, which is the entire <laughs> fucking film. It it's revolves like around the cocaine put issue. a different film on. Because they, they cut the references out, but they haven't like re- bothered re-editing or anything. So you're watching it and you're like, where's that famous scene gone like oh now none of this plot makes any sense whatsoever and it's about 25 minutes long doesn't just play a different film if you're gonna play it before the watershed it revolves around i don't yeah her crucifix has got got, cocaine and that's part of the plot point and yeah and she gets busted on that sex is massive in like plot points and kind of characters relationships that's why they have the bet yeah dangerous liaisons right (laughs) fuck me Fuck me. But Dave, have you got any actual good examples of this? Sex is massive. Dave Mills 20 years ago. London yeah. is the Fourth Reich and sex is massive. Yeah. Great. Uh, I suppose one for me... Well, I mean, again, it's a similar thing to Independence Day. A lot of people really like it and correctly so but Home Alone got critically battered and still has a shite rating on Rotten Tomatoes even though it is the second greatest Christmas film of all time behind, of course, um, Die Hard. Yeah, Home Alone... Is really fucking good. Uh, yeah, it's really so good. Ni- was it nineteen ninety? So I was uh, six when when that came out. I remember thinking. I remember it because back in back in the old days, we saw it in theatres. Or that was it. Or yeah, yeah, you waited. Home, yeah. You know. So the thing it had this, the buzz about that movie was so big that even myself and my friends knew about it. And being you know, I'm not sure how old Macaulay Culkin was then, but. You know, two dissimilar. Yeah, he's living the the dream because if you're a kid and you're frustrated that you're not allowed to go and do the things that you so you want to go out and play with your friends uh, after a certain time or you want to do this, that, and the other. Like Home Alone is the the perfect. Yeah, there are suddenly no rules. You know, it's just proper wish fulfillment stuff there. Like the bit where he gets the BB gun down. uh, It's just just so many. I think it's just just like the the fucking spider shit though. Oh man, when he gets the tarantula out, I'm like, no, no. <laughs> but it, it plays. The best thing about it, Dave, is that Home Alone plays. It's a, it's a movie which stars a kid, but it's also one of those movies which stars a kid, which actually focuses on things that kids are afraid of. And so it's not like one of those patronizing adult style, oh, and then the child was afraid of this. Like it. it um, the thing in the cellar, the. It uh, makes the, it into. The great, the yeah, and... You know, it, it's not just. in another Another way of shooting it would be. It makes a noise and he runs away, but it doesn't like the way it's shot that makes it look like it's alive, that it's real, yeah, that it's brilliant. coming for him. And then the fucking guy, the groundskeeper or whatever, and the music in the first two Home Alone oh, movies my God, it's so unreal. Good. It's absolutely brilliant. It's Candles unreal. in the Window is, is amazing. Um, and another film, which is a very different tack, uh, Fountain, which most people definitely hated. You mean I actually fountain. quite enjoyed, yeah, The Fountain. So, yeah. Aaron Rupp. Aronofsky, right? Aronofsky, it's fucking yeah. brilliant. Yeah, I, I love that it. movie, which um, makes me a pretentious film school tosser. Yeah, most people hated it because it's certainly not kind of linear in many senses, and it's, it's about, a very different type of it's film. About the making, tree of life. But... It's about cancer being cured. It's about you know the Inquisition. It's uh, yeah, it's a very fucking good movie. But uh, oh, do you remember when um, Darren Aronofsky was going to do Robocop remake? Oh, that would be oh my word! It's just it would just be London. <laughs> <laughs> it would just be us in the pub later on. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm sure there are so many. The thing, when you think about what films, uh, so Roger Ebert, he's actually, or he actually apologised, and this is the thing that's really interesting about him, is that as the years went on, he would he would write about movies that he'd seen uh, again with maybe 20 or you know, 25 years mm-hmm. distance on them. And he would write about them and say, you know, I was actually wrong about this. You know, the film is play, plays better now. than it, And that's the thing yeah. with video games... Some most of them because they're so technologically focused, they can't have that. So Citizen Kane, for example, got sledged and made you know it, it didn't do very well at the box office, and it you know critically it took a bit of a pounding. Maybe that's a blowback on the uh, on the big hype about it. But you watch that film with just a little bit of distance, and you're like, man, that is really good. Oh, and yeah, there's so course. many movies. It was the first fucking film to have ceilings, like. <laughs> It was. It, How are we going to shoot it that low? Dig the floor dig out. Dig a hole, mate. Yeah, oh. it had oh. it had amazing. Uh, I mean, just it, they they really changed how films were shot, and 
you know they were they were they were just doing things and throwing the rules out because the you know the rules that had been stab established in Hollywood by that point were very rigid and very it was it was very much a production line and mm-hmm. um, I mean I, I mean I just I just love that the idea that. That was a massive innovation at the time, having a set with a fucking ceiling on it. That I'd also point. like to issue yeah. a formal apology to Orson Welles for, uh, for not including Citizen Kane in our list of greatest directorial no, debuts. No, that, that was the choice that we'd made. <laughs> yeah, we had brought... fucking Josh Whedon, because... but not him. Now, everyone always talks about Citizen fucking yeah, Kane, true. don't they? But what I'll say is, while we're talking about the, uh, the, the video game stuff, this whole shite about... Wah. Whereas video games, Citizen Kane, right? Citizen Kane is lauded as the uh, as a great movie, and for some, the great movie, and is the thing that a lot of people want video games a moment to get to because it was it took everything that it took bits of other forms, theatre hmm. uh, in particular, but it it rendered them through the thing that only that art form could do. Mm-hmm. So when you think about when I think about Citizen Kane, I think about all those incredible effect shots that want the peacock going uh, up through the rafters. Digging out the floor, uh, the uh, dual focus, uh, all of that sort of stuff. So that can that cannot be done on the theatre. You know, obviously mm. that you you can't have that sort of framing because depending on where you're sitting, there are various ways in which you can force perspective, but you cannot force it in that way. So Citizen Kane used elements from the other arts and combined them with this new thing that could not and had not been done before. When people talk about video games version of that. I'm not sure what they expect. Like, if you think about what interactivity and and all of that, it's like you've had it already. Like, you've had it in whatever experience you really loved, which combined decision making and uh, your own volition with other forms. So basically, you cannot control Citizen Kane beyond moving it back and forwards. You can't alter the outcome of the movie. Video game Citizen Kane moment you're chasing it doesn't exist because. It already has been. Does virtual reality be not open up some doors in, in, in that terms? It could do. And one of the most exciting things about virtual reality for me is experiential. Not, oh, I'm, you know, kicking a ball around. I mean, I'm on top of Everest. Yeah, I, I, there's definitely a market for that type of stuff just that you that you can't do in the everyday. Yeah, I mean, going going around the house and stuff and doing all these kind of things, whatever that, the games are, is, is interesting. But yeah, to, to, to go to a place that you could never really get Otherwise, like here's here's what we see on Mars, you know, from NASA stuff or something. Oh, the NASA stuff already, brilliant. the Apollo Eleven lunar lander stuff on HTC Vive is so amazing. A proper kind of it's too hard though. When you turn, so you're in the the lunar lander, and uh, you turn and look right, and there is Neil Armstrong, and you're like, whoa! And it is one of the proper the, the Keanu in the major. Scale is mad. Like I yeah. remember, like Burns made me play it and. Um, yeah, you, you as as Burns says, you turn and there's like you know the astronaut sitting there and and the astronaut's just there and it's like it it it's really weird to explain how how much of a moment that is when you're like I am in this space. Yeah, because because it tricks your senses because I, I'm, obviously really when you does. watch films or you or you play video games, you're still aware that you're in a room or a yeah. cinema or yeah, whatever. Yeah. But when your entire field of vision is that, mm. your brain is telling you you are physically there yeah which is really, why i'm going really to put it on and fall over as are a lot of people because yeah. as soon as you're in a 3d space you want to start walking i kept on putting the uh, vive controllers down on tables that weren't actually there in front of me so there's a table in the game and you're like oh i need to put this down and the other one is as the last man on earth who wears a wristwatch is that you can see your hands and uh, so i kept on turning the controller over in the thing expecting to see the face see on my watch but uh <laughs> Like it's yeah, it is amazing. I think there will be a new uh, discussion. I think what what VR VR isn't just technically video games though. I think that's kind of that's blending a lot of the other yeah, art forms. So so yeah, right. All right, let's stop talking all this shit about that and move on to right. Which one of these, Dave? Did you fucking right? Listen, Tom R. Jackson asks, what is the best film that flopped financially but was actually great? So there are the best. Uh, so you're probably thinking about all the big ones like Heaven's Gate or mm. whatever. So Tom Shane, my boy, obviously wrote an amazing article about this. Uh, and it just said there are no turkeys anymore. So John Carter was shite, right? And mm. it did nothing. It did no business, basically. And Disney were like, oh. And the same with The Lone Ranger. But then it did loads of business elsewhere. So now you've got your, you know, you've got 
films being edited for uh, overseas markets. And so now all the all those films that you think about those big budget big losses like Ishtar. Actually, no one's thinking about that. But you know what I mean. It doesn't happen anymore. What I think the more that they they really you have to go some way to really fuck it up financially because there are so many markets mm-hmm. that and there are so many revenue streams that you will inevitably kind of break even or get close enough to just being able to write it off as a tax dodge. But the ones that really fucking flopped that just disappeared from cinemas that you remember, I think that's what it's more about. A film you wanted to see at the cinema that just went because no fucker went to see went it to and see it was it. moved because Harry Potter 17 was on. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean... But there's been massive hits that, that that failed financially at the time. So obviously Citizen Kane we talked about. Blade Runner. Thing. Yeah, Blade Runner. Wizard of Oz. Yes, true. Uh, Gone with the Wind. All of, none of these were, and now the thing, absolute classics. Yeah, the thing as well. The thing, I, I'm not sure that the thing was really battered, but it didn't. It do wasn't. It didn't do very well, no. and it wasn't considered a good film. No, it wasn't because uh, it was out the same year as uh, ET, wasn't it? And uh, yeah, I, I, the thing is, is one of the movies we are up for considering doing in the not the director's commentary, yeah, definitely. Uh, and that probably follow the first one, which is Alien, which is still coming. As you know, we've had a busy week, so we'll be recording that. It didn't. As, um, Blade Runner get fucking munched at the box office yes. as well. Yeah. yeah. Well, if, when you when you look into the history of that and what um, who was who was financing it, so you've got um, the Shaw brothers, you've got Alan Ladd uh, Junior, the Ladd Company, and Laddie as he was known, you know, Star Wars, mm. and so they were kind of being sold the and the same with Alien, it was Star Wars, but this, so it's you know it's in space, and I think a lot of what Blade Runner, what people thought Blade Runner would be is that that kind of Star Wars adventure but set on Earth in a very futuristic-looking uh, Earth. Nah, it's a, it's a, it, probably the last time Ridley Scott did something really, truly amazing. He's in the second one right now, isn't he? Blade Runner 2049. Yeah, bad title. But just... Oh, and... Hmm. But yeah, that film, I think... I mean, no one needs to bang on about fucking Blade Runner. Everyone knows what it's uh, fully aware how it's it is about now, yeah. but if you've not if you've seen the movie and you love it and you you haven't read the um the shenanigans behind the making of it uh yeah blockbuster by tom Schoen does have a great section on uh on that and on some of the hubris of the filmmakers on ridley scott coming in and saying in what's the name of tyrell industries whatever they're called you know the guy who makes the replicants oh, yeah. uh you know who gets killed that Ridley comes in, he's like, "No, I don't like this." Reverse the set, like flip it upside down, and like Ridley, it's gonna, it's gonna take days. And like, I don't give a Do fuck, it. mate. Like, <laughs> okay. And this, those, that book is brilliant. Is it that and Easy Riders, Raging Bulls is one that we come we come back to. They're really yeah. two go to books for the history of yeah. There's loads of really cool stuff. Like as well, if you're say you're into films and you want to uh, get more out of it, or whatever. The so when I did my dissertation about twenty thousand years ago. Uh, you could just go to the BFI and you pay a fee and you can find if there's a film that you want to know about anything. So you can just pull out the archives for sight and sound for that year. And one of the uh, one of the great pieces that I read on Robocop was called In the Detritus of Humanity. And it really like clued me into a kind of different way of thinking about that movie. Obviously, mm-hmm. I knew it was hugely satirical. Uh, is that still based off Shaftesbury Avenue? Yes, it's on Tottenham Court yeah. Road. So you go down Tottenham Court Road, it's just by where I get my hair cut, isn't it? I thought it might be turned into some kind of shitty coffee shop. No, it's, it's by the Odeon, it's so it's still there. It's still there. So, yeah. Right, okay, next question. Uh, Samurai Rabbit. Supporting cast who overshadowed the lead. Right, so... I think you should read the brackets there. Oh, well, yeah, you can't have Alan Rickman in Prince of Thieves. Well, why not? I'm <laughs> fucking making the rules here. So one of the interesting things about this question is it brings up who is the lead in in a certain movie? So for so again, fuck me, Godfather Part Two. You could argue that De Niro overshadowed uh, Pacino, but they are co-leads essentially. Like they they lead the section in which they appear. It's almost like an anthology movie cut, like in, an intercut anthology movie in in that regard. So, but yeah, what have you got, Dave? You've got well, some. I think I think mo- most roads kind of lead towards the antagonist of of the film. So, um, the Joker, Heath Ledger in The Dark Knight, um, or of course, Anthony Hopkins in The Science of the Lambs. But I mean, those films are purposefully structured around 
the interest in in the bad guys and the, and they drive the film. So it's not as such that they overshadow. Um, and, and another kind of one further out left field, Kathy Bates in Misery. Yeah. Um, or even Javier Bardem in No Country for Old Men. But I think they're all they're all purposefully structured that way. Yeah, you're, those are antagonists. They're yeah. giving the the correct answer, Dave. You idiot is of course Robert Duvall as Colonel Kilgore in uh, Apocalypse Now. Uh, a, a supporting character in the truest sense he's not on screen for very long mm. at all and not even in the Anthony Hopkins sort of way he's not meant to drive a lot of it he's yeah. just uh, he's just there and is part of that universe he's so fucking powerful that once the movie rolls on you, you're constantly like some people a lot of people say this you're thinking about Bill Kilgore you're like what the fuck did I just see with like who was the guy in the fucking cravat and you know in the air cavalry like Man, and the more you think about the movie, when when I think about Apocalypse Now, do people do you think about Willard? You think about the opening, right? Where it's like Saigon. Mm-hmm. You think about Kurtz, that big skull coming out. But a lot of it, I think, is uh, Valkyries, Air Cavalry. Yeah, is Kilgore Smell walking around? In the exactly, Kilgore walking around, handing out death cards, and then that scene where the guy has been hit with the shrapnel, or whatever. His guts are hanging out. And uh, one of Kilgore's subordinates is, you know, he says, what's he saying? He says, oh, he really wants water. And he's like, well, you give him some fucking water. Man's got his guts hanging out. And they're just tiny bits of an actual character in there. Like, he's clearly a psychopath. Yeah, yeah. But tiny bits of a man behind a facade. And, uh, you know, one, I think he's also, we should probably do a, a podcast on the best quotes that are always misquoted. Because the uh, uh, napalm in the morning quote is not it's not even how it's quoted in the in the dvd like it's got a massive ellipsis in the middle there's a, there's a whole story in the middle of i love the smell of napalm in the morning smells like victory there's like another 35 words <laughs> discussing why he uh why he feels like that so yeah what about you jim what films have you watched where uh oh it's the dude from independence day isn't it the dad you know about judd hurt oh, yeah it doesn't overshadow does no he, he does doesn't he he's the he's the key yeah no, it doesn't uh, overshadow. I thought you were going to fall for that and just fucking I mean, be like, oh, well, actually, the chess scene is uh, pretty much the most integral scene. I've had. You know. I mean, thematically, it is, because that, that entire... <laughs> <laughs> that entire... That, I mean, that film was essentially about fatherhood. Um, but, yeah. Um, no, I can't think of anything for that one, so I'm not oh, fucking on. answer what have you seen where there's been someone who's truly... I understand the fucking the question. question. I'm trying to jog your memory, you twat. You couldn't think of one. Yeah. Um, just think of the Roman Empire go for that the Roman Empire oh, supporting characters in the Roman Empire that overshadowed Julius the... Caesar's son uh, nah, nah you've got I nothing I, 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 come my on my brain has gone totally blank come on, on this one, think on of all, all the great movies that you've seen and think about shit I don't even like films um, <laughs> that, that may be a problem going, yeah. uh, going probably on the wrong podcast going though. forward mm. uh, I mean I can, th- I can I can probably think of a few TV shows where that's that's, that's definitely the case but well, oh, I mean, Seth, actually, Seth in the OC right what's that fucking film that what that that Russell Crowe was just in recently about the Man detectives and that oh Kiss Kiss Bang Bang 2 no the nice guys nice, the guys. nice guys the nice guys the kid in that Pretty much overshadowed the the adult leads in it. She was really good, and it's mm. and, and I think that that sometimes happens when you get like a really good child actor in something because child good and likable child roles in films are so rare. Mm-hmm. It's so rare to see a, a you know a, a child that isn't irritating. Um, Stranger you, Things are incredible you, to get an entire well, cast well, of them. I mean, yeah, I mean, Christ, that, that was, although they're starting to fucking annoy me now because they are everywhere. Um, but, the children. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but no, that that, that kid in, in that film, what I've already forgotten the the title of, uh, she struck me as, I was like, this kid's going to be like, I really hope this kid doesn't have a mad fucking Drew Barrymore adulthood because, like, you know, I reckon that kid's going to be an amazing actress when she grows up. Um, but uh, that's the only recent example I can think of. I've got loads of examples from Star Trek, which I don't want to no, mention. The best example um, is, uh, I think you're right, that some of those best examples are from television where characters that are are not the star mm. uh, become, you know, in the, in the popular consciousness. So mm. the fucking OC, right? 
So Seth. So, so we're talking about the OC and on the back of Crank and yeah. what a shite have you been talking uh, listen, about? Listen, I'm. I'm not going to sit around. I could talk to you about fucking Jean Dielman if you want. <laughs> all right. You know what overshadows Jean Dielman? Nothing. It's like 15 hours long. 15 hours of agony. Yeah. And uh, who was it saying? Old Wilf on Doctor Who. Who? Wilf. You know, the um, uh, the Catherine Tate's character. Oh, fuck off, mate. I don't um, want to hear about this he, shite. He was uh, he was her dad. He was in like one scene in a Christmas special, and, and it wasn't even established that he was that character's dad. Uh, not not a dad, granddad. It wasn't even established that he was that character's grandfather. And, uh, and he made such a such a, a lasting impression. I can't remember who the fuck it was. Now it's left my brain. Uh, you know that song, right? Said Fred. What the hell are oh, you babbling about? Sure. No, not not the not the band named after the song. The song, right? Said Fred. <laughs> You've lost it. <laughs> no more drinking for uh, yeah. for Sir James uh, Trinker. Um, what's his fucking name? I can't. I, I, this, this is my problem with podcasts. I can never fucking remember everything. Exactly. I just you kind of start writing going, down. But you know, and then it, you know, but you have like a million links to something. You, you, so you start off with like you know there was a big bang, right? And then uh, then you, you know, things I'm gonna have to extra- extrapolate. He was in loads of fucking healing comedy films and shit. Great. Great. The the podcast's gone meant right. No more talk from you. So I think when you're It's like imagine a likable Bob Monkhouse. Monkhouse is very likable. When you think about characters who um, who overshadowed uh, the leads. I don't want to go this, I want to get off this topic. All right, just, just I'm just going to fucking talk work. about it and then we're going to wrap this thing up. One of the most interesting things about The Godfather Part 3 is that because of the dispute between uh, Robert Duvall and uh, Francis Coppola regarding money is that Duvall did not reprise his role as Tom Hagen and it com- it destroys a lot of what they were going for in the movie because you realize that Tom Hagen is the moral what well, as moral as you can be mm-hmm. underpinning he is the other side of Michael Corleone at this point so they have that amazing argument towards the end of part 2 where um they're saying oh, why have you saying, oh we've do you, why do you have to win why do you have to wipe everyone out it's like okay and Michael Corleone is so fucking in the bunker that he can't differentiate between his enemies anymore. And Tom is the last thing keeping him sane, mm-hmm. close to being sane. Uh, and then his absence in part three, really, I mean, there's loads of problems with part three, but it really undermines. Actually, that's the, the film that everyone hates that I think is probably the best of the three. Best review of it I've ever uh, heard was probably the best film of 1990. No one cares. So what came out in 1990? The Two Jakes, Back to the Future Part 3, Dances with Wolves. It's Home not, Alone. Home Alone, shit. It's definitely not the fucking greatest movie. Or was it 91? I'm not sure. Uh, it is 1990, yeah. So, yeah. Well, anyway, listen, that's the uh, the podcast. We will let you know more about the cool shit that we're up to uh, with Capcom when we are allowed. Uh, but I'm sure you'll be seeing more from that very soon. Anyway, look, it's been fun, apart from the mad babbling. The Bernard Cribbins! <laughs> wow, there you go. There you go. There we go. Right. Right. That usually happens just after we press cut. Yeah. Fuck me. Fridge logic there. <laughs> right, anyway, thanks guys. Thanks for listening in. See ya. See ya. See ya.